Good afternoon, and welcome to Vintage Orange. I am Ellen Bell, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM. Welcome to our show and another uh, afternoon of discussing Orange County history, which is what we do here every week, Wednesdays at 4. And this week, we're going to be continuing a discussion that we started last week, Um, what we do most of the many of the times we talk about Irvine history because of course we are located here at the UCI campus and so it's it's appropriate to talk about Irvine and we're going to be continuing our discussion from last week uh, with my guest Alan Hess. Alan is a local author and architect and a preservationist really. He has done a lot of work and research and um, speaks on behalf of of not only educating people about architecture and local architecture, but also uh, about the importance of understanding it and why it's it's really crucial to our way of life. You know, when you talk about Irvine history, you really have to talk about architecture and design because the whole city was based on the master plan. It was created in the early 1960s, uh, the genesis being the UCI campus itself, and then the city that was created to be adjacent to it and to be its kind of symbiotic partner here, uh, the village of University Park. And this village celebrated its 50th anniversary this summer. They they had a lovely celebration uh, over in University Park, uh, marking the 50th year when all of those pioneering residents first moved to to Irvine. It wasn't even the city of Irvine yet. It uh, wouldn't become that until 1971. So these people were true pioneers, and University Park was the place of firsts. It was where the first elementary school was, the first library, eventually the first high school. It was definitely the first place in what would later become the city of Irvine. And so Alan will be talking with me and we'll be continuing our discussion today uh, talking about some of those initial innovations that the planners at the Irvine Company were trying to create a certain way of life here in University Park. Let's talk about some of those innovations that were seen in University Park. I like to think of, I describe it as kind of a living laboratory of some of those planning concepts at the time where you actually can still today go see some of these ideas that they were coming up with in the Irvine Company Planning Department. And one of them, uh, one of my favorites is the cul-de-sac, or not the traditional cul-de-sac as most people are are used to. Um, That was kind of a unique way of planning, wasn't it? Oh yeah, very definitely. Uh, and again, that required a, uh, a new um, planning tool called the planned unit development. Um, the standard suburbs were simply platted out, usually a grid-like uh, uh, um, system of streets. But what the planned unit development allowed them to do in University Park was to put the streets wherever they wanted to and have wide streets and then smaller streets and then then to have these cul-de-sacs as well so that you would mix people in together, you would have greenery mixed in with the houses and so forth. So yes, throughout University Park you have these um, small cul-de-sacs where you you drive in and then there you kind of circle around a, a landscaped area and the houses are uh, lined up around uh, the, the edge of it. Um, it creates a small, identifiable neighborhood, so you know, you know that, that you're home, that mm-hmm. this is where you are. You aren't just part of this mass 
of you know Cracker Jack boxes or whatever. Um, and then they went another step beyond that. They they landscaped these um, these uh, uh, pieces of pro- uh, land right in the middle that the cars would, would drive around, and they would put uh, um, uh, mounds of dirt, which were landscaped trees and bushes and so forth. And what was that for? That was to hide the cars that were parked uh, on one side of uh, of the cul-de-sac as well. So as you drove in, you didn't just look at a bunch of cars parked in a row, but you were looking at greenery, landscaping. Um, so it's that sort of attention to detail that really makes University Park extraordinary. And, well, we can get into this later, but, you know, it will never be done this way again. Yes, yes. So it was kind of, it is like an embarrassment of riches in University Park as far as green space and park space. And that is like what you were saying is that at the time, all they had was land. I mean, they had so much land to work with that they weren't concerned about um, filling every single bit of it with a house. And, you know, I, I think that that's, University Park was probably the first place, and correct me if I'm wrong, where they were doing a lot of that, I mean, other than East Bluff and Newport Beach which pre, uh, was before it, but where they were using, you don't have a lot of your own private lawn or area. I mean, people up to this point were used to having their own front yard, their own backyard. And what we see within U- University Park is this shared green space, these shared community park spaces where maybe you don't have a big front yard to, to have your kids play in, but you have this landscaped cul-de-sac in the middle where everybody from the street gets together and it's a much more uh, unifying social uh, way of life. Was this this one of the first places where that was done? Um, well, that idea had been um, uh, talked about in, in um, universities and by theorists mm-hmm. and critics for a long time. Uh, one of the most famous early uses of that was from the 1930s at Radburn, Virginia, um, or excuse me, Radburn, New, New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, which was a small um, suburban area planned during the depression uh, to again to show a, a new direction for the future of the American city, um, but it was very small, but it also very well publicized and influential. Mm-hmm. So the ideas had been seen before, but they had never been applied as on uh, as large a basis as they were then here in Irvine. And do you feel like when the people moved in there and, you know, when when people start coming in 1965 and they start moving into these little houses and which are really... um, I, I, I can't encourage people enough to go drive through, or actually, be, better yet, get on your bike and bike through University yeah. Park and get a sense of these neighborhoods and streets. The, the, the this kind of, um, the homes are all, they all go together in this lovely blend, and uh, but they're all a little bit different. You know, they, like you mentioned, he wanted to come up with diversity where not everybody had to have the same kind of house, the same style, the same family, but yet they all kind of, blend together it's like you i think you've mentioned it was a unity and diversity exactly. kind of coming together let's talk about that a little bit at university park yeah um that is where good architecture good design really matters um you can have these large concepts and they're they're very important and they're great 
but how do they look and how, uh, where are the, the places that people actually live uh, when you get down to the scale of a house uh, or a neighborhood? And so uh, Pereira was interested in this idea of a balance of, universe, uh, of diversity and unity. Um, again, that w- it was a reaction to the standard San Fernando Valley type of suburbia where you would have unity, but it was so monotonous. Every house almost looked alike, and you had the long streets, and it all looked alike. Um, but he also there's an advantage to unity as well because if you're in a unified neighborhood uh then you know you know that you have an identity that mm-hmm. you're at uh, your home you know you have a, a a clear idea of your place in the world basically um but then you need diversity as well um and so you walk you know bike down any of these streets in uh, university park and you will see that in both of those, you'll see similar materials. For example, brick walls enclosing small courtyards, for example. And those will be repeated all the way around the cul-de-sac, uh, you know, intermittently. Um, and so you have that unifying thing. The setback of the garages and of the second stories of the houses are all the same. They're all unified. Um, but then you have diversity because some of the houses have um, red tile roofs and have more of a modern Spanish style. Others are more of a, a contemporary ranch house style with board and batten uh, wood walls on them. So you have diverse elements and you have unified elements, and it's the delicate balance of those two that really make the success of the um, of the of the whole neighborhood. Well, it, it would have to work that way here because here you're talking about you're sharing so much of your space, and that was really the concept or the experiment of of let's let's you know work all together as a community and have these shared communal areas: the parks, the pools, the green belts, and and the places where we would all enjoy and the kids would get out and play. So, if you're going to be doing that, you you really have to be careful as to the the size and what and how your homes are on the lot. I mean, you really you can't have a house that overwhelms another. There has to kind of be that nice, like you said, a fragile balance because this is it's high density in one way, um, but it's also got the open spaces that are so wonderful there and unique to University Park. Um, and I, I think about what's happening. You know, let's fast forward today. So I, I drive through University Park, let's say, or I'm walking through, would I recognize it um, from when it was originally developed? Um, yes, there's so much that uh, that is still there that still works. And though people, and this is the thing, you know, a lot of people don't really understand what the master plan concept is, but they know it and they, they know they like it. Because <laughs> it is one of the things that people love about living in Irvine. The, the green belts, for example, um, those were planned and part of the master plan. The sense of unity, uh, so you know where your your neighborhood is, and it's not like something in Fullerton or or, or Costa Mesa. Um, that is also 
planned, and uh, you still get these ideas. Uh, you can still see these uh, today as you drive through um, the area. Is uh, are, So most of the homes are still kind of the original homes that were built there? I, I, I know there are a lot of families that are still the original families have lived there for, for decades now. Right. Um, do we see much of a change happening in University Park? Well, this is the challenge of today. Fifty years ago, the Irvine Company and the new residents who moved in knew they had something special. And they, 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 they put so much effort and thought into creating this really extraordinary and nationally significant new neighborhood, new city. Um, today, the challenge is how can we maintain those for another, for another 50 years? Mm-hmm. And that's where I really see... Um, a threat. Um, people do not always understand the master plan concept as they did back then. Of course, property values have skyrocketed right. compared to what they were back in the 1960s. And that creates pr- uh, uh, the pressure for people to add on, to remodel, to tear down mm-hmm. uh, their houses and to build bigger. Right. And you do see that uh, today in University Park um, as the oldest part of Irvine. Uh, and it is a real threat because that, as we talked about, that delicate balance between unity and diversity can be easily lost. And we see the first few examples of that going on today. It's clear that the trend will be in the future for teardowns and additions unless something is done. So frankly, we could lose the master plan quality of Irvine if we don't do something today. And that could happen really quickly. I mean, that a lot of these homes are really prime for for that as far as age and, you know, generationally. You have now people um, selling these home. These original homeowners are, some of it is turning over. And, and uh, that could happen within, you know, less than a decade. It could look dramatically different than it looks right now. Easily, very easily. Are there any kind of, I know most of Irvine in the master, in the different villages, there are, um, you know, CCNRs or homeowner restrictions on architectural changes. Um, Does that exist in University Park? Well, um, in uh, this oldest part, uh, Village 1 and Village 2 in the Chancellor Homes, which constitute one um, uh, homeowners association, um, there have been a lot of controversies about that. In fact, their um, architectural re- review board, which oversaw any changes, uh, was sunsetted, and uh, it hmm. went out of existence a couple of years ago. Um, so the controls of that sort were, uh, were loosened, uh, which is one reason why you do see a lot of uh, new additions and alterations, which uh, frankly are not in keeping 
with the original unified character of University Park. So what could people do if they're concerned about having trying to preserve the character? I mean, not necessarily the I mean, it's not that a home can't be renovated or it can't be um, remodeled, but you know, it's keeping it in the original spirit, like you said, of the original design of the house, the original size that that works for the neighborhood and the house. And how can people, is there anything people can do to get involved in that? Oh, yes, uh, very definitely. Uh, one has become educated to understand what the, uh, the issues are and what the master plan is uh, and how it affects us today. The city council has uh, very slowly uh, over time been holding some meetings about this. I don't know of any that are immediately scheduled but you could uh, call City Hall and you know be put on the mailing list for whenever that's going to come up. Uh, going to City Council meetings and during the public uh, comments section, uh, just say that this is an issue of importance uh, to you as a resident of Irvine. Um, and talking to your neighbors, certainly as well. Um, the thing is, of course, the... Uh, the the thing that people will often say is, you know, this is, you know, my piece of property, it's my house, I paid for it, and I can do whatever I want to in order to maximize its value to me. Mm-hmm. If that means putting on a third story, then I should have the right to do that. But this is the interesting thing about a master plan community, is that the value of your house is dependent upon the value of all the other houses around you. So if you change something, it affects everybody else. The value of your house is not just because you have, you know, one beautiful house, but it's because it is in such a beautifully planned neighborhood uh, that the master plan created. So uh, we need to just think a little bit more broadly about this. This is one of the reasons why I've been giving these tours, walking tours of Irvine in general and University Park in particular, uh, is to um, uh, let people know what what these ideas are and see for themselves why these ideas are important and uh, should be saved. That very well put, and I think that's a, a big reason why preservation is so important and history is important. You know, people will kid me sometimes and say, "Why are you so interested in Irvine history? There's no history in Irvine; it's not very old." <laughs> but, but I think you bring up the point of why exactly why it's important because you know if you just look at Irvine and the success of the city that it is today with the you know the excellent schools and the safety and it's run very well and people you know property values are are, are very good here and people love living here well that all happened by intention that was not an accidental thing and if we lose sight of the theories behind it as you say if we kind of lose sight of the balance and the interconnectedness that is the master plan um, the values of Irvine will will life will not be as lovely here in the future It, it is something that needs to be maintained and understood that it is a way of life it is something that's unique and uh it was intentionally created to be this way and people 
currently and people in the future kind of need to carry that torch of keeping that plan and concept alive or it will just kind of revert back to every other you know yeah. city in Orange County where they don't have a master plan like this it's it's something that needs to be preserved and and maintained and I, I salute all of the work that you're doing your tours are excellent and obviously what you write about and speak about if anyone has an opportunity to come here you speak um, it's it. They should do so. I mean, you're it's you're a treasure in our community, and I appreciate all of the work that you are doing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, and <laughs> I, I know that there's enthusiasm about these ideas. Uh, as people learn about them, very definitely. Yes, well, we will keep it going, and I really appreciate your time, Alan Hess, um, and I will have some things on my website at uh, vintageorangekuci at blogspot.com. I I don't know if I said that right. I never say it right. It's too long, Alan. (laughs) But I will have links to information and things that you've written, not only about uh, University Park, but William Pereira and the legacy, and and really the, the foundation that he laid for the community we enjoy today. Today. So, thank you so much for your time, and I reserve the right to call you again. Great, anytime. Thank okay, you, Ellen. Thank you.